I think the beauty about our generation with technology, with new opportunities is that we can really pivot in different ways. And you might be starting off in one area and then you might be able to pivot and go into another field that's also really impactful. So it's important to just keep your heart open to stuff like that. Hey everyone, welcome back to Oh My Curry Goodness. My name is Hamza Islam. And on this podcast, I talk to Gen Zers from different fields about their story and what their journey was like behind the scenes. Something that I've always been curious about or when I was little is just what it's like behind closed doors because on the outside, we see all the successes a person may have, but on the inside, we don't know what's going on. And so to be able to have authentic, vulnerable, honest conversations with guests or with people are really important so that it allows people to know that they have they, it allows people to really understand what a person went through or gone through to get to where they are today and i hope that there's always that there's a listener out there that feels inspired that under that listens to this interview and goes or realizes that maybe they don't have the same journey but they can relate to that journey and realize that even though they went through something similar but maybe not exact that they're able to overcome these obstacles as they continue to pursue their dreams or continue to pursue their goals. So I hope you continue to support this podcast in the future and listen to more inspiring stories from Gen Zers. Now, my guest this week is Micah Dewani, who is a licensed coach, author, and artist who uses his work to advocate for issues that resonate with him, such as social injustice and mental health awareness. He has published two books, one in the summer of 2020 titled Step Into My Shoes, Memoirs from the Other Side of America, which is a series of memoirs focusing on social slash racial injustice. And this book came as a response to the misinformation about the Black community during the Black Lives Matter protests. He has also published another book titled Battle Scars and Blossoms, which is a fictional book that explores themes of grief and mental health awareness in, during the story. I'm really excited to learn more about just his journey and how he approaches art because it's art is a very unique field in the sense that as great as creativity can be and the imagination sometimes we also fall into obstacles such as overthinking and doubt and whether our work is useful or right or can benefit so i'm really interested to learn more about these things and also because mike is a big soccer fan just like me so it's great to be able to connect with someone uh who shares the same love for soccer so really looking forward to all these conversations but micah dewani Nevertheless, thank you so much for joining Oh My Curry Goodness. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I was super honored uh, when you reached out to be a part of this. Um, and yeah, just getting to know you before we started, um, I already felt the connection, you know, with the with us both being soccer fans and even supporting the same team. So I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Liverpool FC and uh, in the English Premier League. Big fans. Um, hopefully we have a great season. But <laughs> Um, before we talk about the creativity and, you know, as an author and an artist, let's talk about soccer for the time being. Um, I noticed that for a while you actually used to play soccer, but then because of um, health conditions, uh, you weren't able to continue playing. But nevertheless, as, as, as and you can be honest with me, like, was there a part of you that really thought that you want, was there a part of you that thought you wanted to become a professional soccer player? Was that something that in the back of your mind that you you had thought of because for me growing up i wanted to become a professional soccer player but like i said in the intro like i said before we joined this podcast like as i got older it felt like i got worse each time so i was like you know what i'm just going to retire at the age of 13. yeah uh, i i definitely did i think well, there's this meme on the internet that's like when did you know when did you realize you weren't the next Michael Jordan? And you can apply it to like whatever sports you play. But obviously young kids, especially, you know, young boys growing up, a lot of us really want to become professional athletes. Uh, so I definitely did. Um, and, you know, when you're, I, I played forward when I started out playing soccer. And so as a young fast forward, the obvious comparison that people gave is like Pele. So I'd often hear like my principal of my elementary school and like aunts and uncles like, oh, Look at look at young Pele on the field. So obviously I did think about, you know, higher aspirations with soccer. Uh, but I think for me, it was it was actually realistic because I, I played for 
a really high level academy here in South Florida. And actually now I probably have six or seven friends from that academy who are pros. So there's people who I played right next to that continued their track and now became professional. So I think, yeah, it's one thing to say that, but I think I could actually see it and especially monitoring my friends. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy with the route that I've now chosen to take. You know, I think, like you said, I had a lot of health issues. And when those happened, my mental health really suffered. Um, and when we talk about professional athletes, often we talk about the skill level that it takes to become professionals. But one of the most important things to also talk about is the level of mental fortitude you have to have to become an athlete. You know, people call it like that dog. You have to have that dog in you. And when I was going through my, you know, heart scares, for example, my collapsing episodes, my mental sanity was like all over the place. And I, I just wasn't as focused as I should have been to try and become a pro. So after like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, my mind was just elsewhere. You know, I was I was just dealing with a lot with in, in and out of the hospital, just working with numerous heart doctors. And I was just all over the place. So I kind of started to see that it maybe wasn't for me, but I'm still thankful for the journey. I'm thankful for all the friends and memories I made playing. And I think I still apply a lot from the discipline of athletics to what I do now. So I, I'd say it's, it's still working out. So what's interesting about my soccer journey, I never really knew what position I wanted to play. So when I was really, really little, I was a, I was a forward and then it was midfield and then it was defense. And then I played goalkeeper. But if you were to ask me right now, what's my best position, I would probably say goalkeeper. However, I am in by goalkeepers um, perspective or by, 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 if we're talking about goalkeepers, I'm relatively short for a goalkeeper. Like I I'm five, seven and most goalkeepers are six foot three, six foot four, six foot six. So I was not, I was like, I can't do it. I mean, if I try to go against someone who's like six foot four, I'm not going to even touch the ball. They're going to score on me. So, but I mean, nevertheless, I still enjoy the goalie aspect just because I feel like, because I don't know, I just, I just, I, I just felt like even though I was short, I was still good at it. But if, if you're asking me like to do it professionally, I'm, thank goodness I didn't go professional because I would have been a disaster for whatever team I played with. But you, you talked about how you were thankful because there are still things as an athlete or still things that you were able to, I guess, use as skills from a professional, uh, from being a soccer player or someone who competed um, in, in the youth level, but you were also a coach and you are also someone that was helping people in underfunded marginalized communities too and bring access to their training programs and the crazy thing is about especially about our generation the gen z generation is that we care so much about impact and making people's lives better and as someone who got to help marginalized and underfunded communities give the best access possible um or best access to soccer as, as much as possible do you feel like the impact you made as a coach almost overrides that feeling of, I wish I could have been a better soccer, I wish I could have been a soccer player, a professional soccer player. Because a lot of us have that dream of, I wanna become a professional soccer player, but now you're, you, what, it's almost like, because of the coaching aspect, it's almost like now you're trying to make other people's dreams come true, other people to realize that they have potential in this field. So I'm wondering if you, it feels like, I guess you're in a way, you're, you're grateful that something good came out of it. I don't know if that made sense, but it's like like that that idea of like overriding like I wanted to become a professional soccer player, but now that I'm in this position or I was in this position where I'm helping people that maybe didn't have the quality of or I didn't have the access that other athletes have or other people have, it almost makes it seem like it was it was it was it was better at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Um I mean, definitely. I, I read a statistic that coaches in certain capacities can have more influence on a child than even a parent can, you know, obviously depending on the parent and the coach. But it, but I think that stat was just speaking to how much what you can do 
with your with your responsibility as a coach. Uh, and I know for me, when I was playing, I was really affected by the U.S. Academy's pay-to-play rules. Um, and there were opportunities I couldn't take advantage of because I wasn't rich, you know, because I didn't have generational wealth to pay thousands of dollars out of out of my pockets for new opportunities every day, every month, every year. So when I became a coach, I wanted to help people who went through that same struggle. Um, and I think if we look at some of the best athletes in the world, if nobody helped them, they may not have made it to their positions because a lot of them didn't come from fortunate backgrounds. A lot of them just had the skill. And I think in sports, if you have the skill, if you have the motivation, you know, you should receive help if you can really go to that next level. So for me, it was really impactful to be able to set up my private training program and work with kids in these different communities. And I actually just got an email of like a few months ago from one student that I trained who made it into college and now made his division one program. And he was like, if I never got into your training program, I wouldn't have had the funds to raise my skill level continuously. And I may have never gotten good enough to the point where I could get myself a D1 scholarship, go to college, get my education as well. And so I was like, that means more than almost anything, you know? Yeah, I, I may have wanted to play pro when I was a little boy, but an email like that, being able to help a student like that get to the next level and see a part of his dream, that means more than anything. So I think, yeah, definitely coaching has given me, you know, a, a taste of a fresh air with responsibility, with impact, with helping. And like you said, it's a big thing with Gen Z. We, we want to be a part of big change in society. So I felt that that burden and I've, I've been glad to help people. Yeah. It's one thing when good things happen to you, but it's another thing when when you see other people impacted by, or when it's it's one thing when it's it's one thing when good things happen to you, but it's another thing when something could happen to others because of you. So as much as you really want to reap the benefits, the fact that and you mentioned that other people benefited from what you started, it makes things so much better. And I I don't know if there's something I mean you probably talked about it a little bit, but like it's like. Sometimes you still wish at the end of the day that maybe you could have been that person like, oh, I wish I could have been a soccer player. I could have I wish I could have been able to compete in college because forget being a professional soccer player, being a college soccer player is difficult. But nevertheless, like, again, the the, the, the importance of impact and helping other people, it almost feels like maybe it, it almost feels like it's it's better that you were able to do this. Even though you could have done, even though you could have done it yourself, just seeing that other people benefited from what you did, um, it really does make things better. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you did or that you're able to do the things that you do. But you know, there was also a time where it's it's I'm because I still deal with this as well. Like even watching my favorite soccer team, the Columbus Crew, um, just watching soccer players play and just being like, that could have been me, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I do think it's important that I think in the same sense, it's really important to compartmentalize your own journey. You know, like I, I often remind myself that comparison is the thief of joy. So I think when you, for me, it's about appreciating the people who have went on. Like I have friends now who even play for Columbus Crew from my academy, but I don't look at them on the TV and, and say like, I'm envious of you. I wish I was you, you know? I think I've, I've really learned through maturity to compartmentalize my own experience and say, like, I need to walk my own journey and appreciate where I am while still showing love to my friends. So I think it's really important in that way. And I, I know it's hard sometimes because you might have friends, peers, parents who can, who can be like, oh, look at this person and stuff like that. And then you're like, oh, thanks for making me feel like that. But I think it's really important to speak light into your own life as well and appreciate where you can go, even if you wanted to do one thing. I think the beauty about our generation with technology, with new opportunities, is that we can really pivot in different ways. And you might be starting off in one area, and then you might be able to pivot and go into another field that's also really impactful. So it's important to just keep your heart open to stuff like that. I want to transition into now your what you do now, aside from soccer, but being in the creative space, the artistic space, because 
I don't know about other sports, but because we're, we're talking about soccer, a lot of soccer teams, and I'm, I'm kind of being broad in this, they don't just play to score goals. It's like one of the things that you, I guess, that spark your interest about a soccer team is the, how they play. Because it's not about scoring. It's about the passes people make or players make, the runs that people make, the way they um the way they uh, structure, they do their formation, whether they have the ball or not, there's a sense of creativity in how they do things. And so now when you're going into this author artist side of you, that's another space where you have to, you, you can allow your creativity. And I know I'm kind of being broad in this, but I'd love to know from you personally, as someone who's now in the space, what are some of the things you've learned from being a, or what are some of the things you've learned from an athlete or being involved in sports that you felt like played a big part or play a big part in this role you are in when it comes to be either being an artist or a, a storyteller? Yeah, great question. I think first, probably being a team player because I use my work for other people. And when I was an athlete, you know, it's 11 people on the pitch in soccer. And so, you know, you know, your coach is going to yell at you if you're doing stuff just for yourself. So you, you pretty much have it ingrained in your mind of like, I need to be working for the team. I was a midfielder before I stopped playing. I moved forward to midfield. And so as a midfielder, you're helping your defense. You're helping your supporting cast in the midfield. You're helping your attackers. You're often the link man between the attack and defense, really being the organizer. And so that team first mentality has really translated over to my artistic work because with my stories, with my art, I'm thinking of how I can help other people other than just me. You know, I'm telling very specific stories that I can use to touch on important social issues, to help bring education to topics we don't talk about enough. So I think that team first mentality has really helped me a lot. And I also think the discipline of being an athlete. You know, I, I used to have double practices every day, sometimes three times, four times a week. Um, and just leaning into that discipline focus has helped me as an artist because often as artists, we talk about the magic of it all. And there is a sense of magic with when an idea comes together beautifully, but it is work. Like you do have to put in work. And often like with like IG reels and stuff like that, we just see like, oh, like, let me just put like a cool audio and then talk about my day in the life in like a really beautiful, fun way. But we don't talk about the grit sometimes that goes on behind closed doors. And that grit is there. It's real. You know, so for me to even sit down and write a book and work at it and work at it and work at it over months until it's done. I think that discipline came from being an athlete, having a tournament coming up in five months and going to practice to work and work and work for the tournament. I think now I'm able to sit down on my computer, work with my editors and just lock in and focus without getting distracted. I think that came from being an athlete. So there are there are similarities in the two creative disciplines. Um, and I think whatever you go through in life, you can often move on to different phases and still pull from old phases of your life to help you out you know, on your new journey. So that's, that's what I've tried to do. For sure. I, I think everything you said is 100% true when it comes to the transition from being an athlete to this artist, the artist or the creative art space. Now, I'm obviously not an artist or an author by any means, but as a podcaster, if there's one thing I've learned when it comes when I guess like with it, when it comes to that transition from soccer to podcasts is patience, because in soccer, I'm only saying soccer just because that's what we relate to. Soccer is a game of 90 minutes, mostly. Yeah, mostly 90 minutes. A regular game is 90 minutes. But instead of focusing, if the game just started, don't focus on the 90th minute. Focus on the first minute, then the next, then the next. And sometimes we, like, sometimes, especially in the creative art space, we can easily fall into that fear of failure or that fear of it's, it, we may not win, quote unquote. And so sometimes you just have to be patient with yourself and knowing that not everything is going to come to you immediately. If it does, that's a great start, but just realize that it takes time to build things before it becomes great. And I'm sure, and I know we're probably going to talk about this, but even though we are great at what we do or we have interest in what we do, we're going to make mistakes along the way. And it's, it, it's important to not get 
bogged down. Like if you if you mess up or you make a mistake, it's it's very easy to conclude that we need to dismantle everything or we're already freaking out. And instead of treating it as a sprint, treat it as a marathon, knowing that you're gonna have bad moments, but you will have good moments and try to find a way to to be more inspired from those good moments. And if a bad moment happens, find out, you know, okay, let's use soccer sense. You give up a goal. It's the worst thing in the world at the time being. Huddle up and think about, okay, what was going on and how can we make sure to not allow this again or make this happen again? So patience is really important in knowing that you have to make sure you don't judge yourself too quickly because it's a long, it's a long game. It's, it's or a long game or a long journey. And, you know, don't get bogged down by what happens early on in the game. Like people, and I'm sure it's such a cliche thing, but it's like, don't, for, don't worry about how you start, worry about, or it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And so, you know, and a part, and a large part of that is just being patient and not freaking out if things don't go your way, one way or another. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Um, and now it's funny because now that I'm in the artistic space, um, I'm really learning that lesson, especially because I think as an actor, there's, you, you have about, 10 to 12 like peak years of your sport you know it might be like 22 to 34 depending on the sport as well different sports have different timelines but as an artist you can get better and better until you're really old you know like you can be 57 and just getting better as an artist so one thing i've reminded myself being uh being so young is that it really is a journey and I have so much time to evolve and get better and better and better. And I, I like where I am now. And I think people like my work now. Um, you know, I, don't, I mean, you wouldn't have even known about me if I hadn't been putting stuff out there and working with different people and stuff. So I like where I am now, but I, I really do remind myself of that. It, it is important to be patient because like right now I'm like two in artist years, you know, and I could continue to evolve and, I could be 37 and that's still kind of young for an artist, you know? So I'm just, I'm, I'm open to just learning everything I can and just applying everything I learned to my art. And I think moving towards the future, it's just going to supply me with the ability to make even more profound work. So, yeah, I think you were, you were spot on. For sure. And I'll just include my example. Like I'm seven, eight months into podcasting. So like, I'm like really, really young in this case, but Speaking of growth, and this is what I want to talk about because I find that so many of us fall into this trap, especially early on, which is we tend to forget that at, when we're first starting out, that everything is a journey. And sometimes when you make so many, I mean, I'm, I, I did this, I'm sure you probably fell into this as well, where you made a lot of mistakes early on. And now you're in a place where you're like, oh, I'm glad I made those mistakes because I'm able to learn from it. But sometimes in the heat of the moment, and I brought this up and I use this, it's, I like to criticize my examples a lot on this podcast, but there's always this thing where like this evilish version or this devil or this devilish version of you is going around and saying that you can't do this, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much work you put in, you're not, you're not good. That's what the evil version is telling you. And even if there are other people that are telling you that you're doing the right thing and it's just a matter of time and patience, like we just talked about, it is hard to really believe in ourselves because we, 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 we love, we are our worst enemy in some sense. And so I know that was something you struggled with growing up because I think your mom was an English teacher. And even though you were good at what you did for you, one of the things that you had to overcome was that was that obstacle of belief of saying that you're not good enough. So I'd love to ask, because obviously you're still young, but, or obviously you're still young in this space, because I think you said this is like year two, but I'd love to ask you about how you're able to believe in yourself. And I know that sounds easier said than done, but believing in yourself is not as straightforward as it seems. Like you can't just say, I believe in myself. You really have to internalize it and really believe, especially when things aren't going your way. Cause that's when, that's when the negativity in you really starts to be at its peak. Yeah. So honestly, my, I've, my mindset in that has changed lately. 
I've been really inspired to outwork self-doubt. And I think it's actually possible to do that. You can literally outwork your self-doubt by just ensuring that tangibly speaking, you're doing everything you can with whatever craft and discipline you're in to make sure you're doing the best thing possible. So for me, first, first it's first it's seeing a possible reality. And I always tell, like, I have a friend right now who's struggling with where he wants to go in life, what he wants to do. And I told him, I said, forget the mental calculations. Like, what would you ideally see for yourself? And don't go, but then I'd have to, I'm like, don't do that. Just what would you like to see? So first you have to see something, forget the mental calculations. Just what is that you're seeing? And then I think, honestly, for me, it's just like doing everything possible to get there. And then once, when you put in so much work, I feel like you have to believe in it. With, with my last book, I worked so hard on the book. Like my, my eyes felt like they were going to fall out of my eye sockets after I was done proofreading it, sending it out to editors. I, I worked like doing the art design for the book cover. I worked so hard that when I got to the end, I was like, I have to believe in this. I just put in like a million hours. So I feel like, honestly, first, I think you need to see something. And, and even if it's like, oh, this is super far-fetched, often the things that scare us the most are going to be the most beautiful for our lives. You know, I often hear actors talk about, I, I, like they'll say like, they pick the roles that when they hear about the audition, they're like, I don't know how I play that character. I don't know how I would even adapt this to a movie. And that's what entices them to go after it. So often it is about taking a far-fetched vision and seeing it as, oh, this could possibly work. And then just putting in the work, putting in the work, putting in the work. Um, and I, I honestly, I'm always telling myself as well that it sounds kind of dumb, but I'm always like, run a floating rock in space. So it makes things feel less serious when you say something like that. Obviously, there's more to life than just that. But I'm always like, when you just dumb things down, like none of this stuff is really that scary. A lot of the overthinking, a lot of the overcalculating is often in our minds. And when we look at things, we can often look at things with like a why not perspective. So for me, that's what's really worked as of late. Um, and I think I'll continue to evolve because cycles of, of belief and self-doubt, they they kind of coincide with each other. Right now, I've been I've been wrestling with a little bit of self-doubt lately. And it's it's weird because I've already put out two books and I've like I just was at a was at a book club recently. And I was just amazed by like all the students who were like, Micah, like, can you sign my books? And then still, and then still I'm dealing with a little bit of self-doubt. It's like, how does that even work? But for me, it always comes back to putting the work in. And I think when you continue to jump off the deep end and just immerse yourself in what you're doing, I think as you go on that journey, you're just forced to believe. You just have to eventually because it's like you're in the water treading. So if you don't believe, you're gonna drown, you know. So, I me, mean, that's that's what it's been lately. Uh, but I, but but yeah, it's such a nuanced conversation, and I think you have to be gentle with yourself. I think you have to take care of your mind through the process as, as well. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I was thinking about this before you before uh, we started recording, which is we care so much about validation externally more so than internally. And so we're like, we don't, so if, if someone says, oh, you're doing something really good, then we think, oh, then we are doing something good. But sometimes it's like, it's, it's sometimes you're thinking about worst case scenario, right? In the sense that you might believe in something good, but then other people might not see it the same way. And then obviously there's a, there's a situation where maybe you don't like what you do, but other people do. And so you think, oh, that's great. But sometimes you really have to I guess in saying that, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you have to make sure that, you know, you're kind to yourself, that you really believe in the things that you do, because there will be a point in time where if you continue to say that you're not good, then other people might actually believe that even though they're trying to be your best friend, like you have to be the best friend to yourself. And it's important to be, it's okay to be critical, but don't, overwhelm that kind of like you said like you have to outwork yourself out don't let your negativity outdo your positivity at the end of the day and it's funny because like sometimes like i like i overthink so much 
And so sometimes I'll go to my mom and I'll say, I'll ask the, I'll ask the question, what if, what if I do this? What if I do that? And my mom will go, stop saying, what if, stop saying it. Cause it's not, it's not, that event is not happening. Focus on what is being presented in front of you right now. And so it's funny because I do ask my guests the what if question because I think it's important to note that there are events in your life that actually that play a big part into who you are today. But especially when you're overthinking and you're overanalyzing, it's very easy to ask the questions that you don't need to ask, like what if or whatever that may be. But, you know, like you said, there comes a point in time where you do it so much that you can't let anything stop you. So I think it is important at the end of the day to just continue to give yourself grace and just be mindful that you've taken a journey. And even though there are going to be bumps along the road, just continue to go because at some point you will see all the benefits, but you just have to keep going and not give up. Like it's always like, it's like maybe it's funny because I'm reading a book uh, called, uh, oh, I just, I got it. But the, the idea is do something one more time because you never know if something good happens at the end of the day. It might not happen tomorrow, but maybe try try again tomorrow. Maybe something good happens. And then at some point, if you continue to do something one more time, then that good thing will happen, whatever that is that you uh, want or your goal is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think that's just an important reminder to people. Um, and for me, I just recently was reflecting on my, my school and I was applying that to just all disciplines of, of, of work. And I know with me, I'm in I'm in university right now, and I'm always like every week I'm being asked to do really complex essays on on these really difficult topics. And my professors, I'm not now because I'm in higher education, um, they don't explain things as clearly to you because I think you know part of college is like you're supposed to figure out what the teacher's saying in a way and then apply it. Like they're not gonna hold your hand the entire way. Part of it is like, take the lesson notes and then apply it as you see fit to, you know, the assignment. And for me, I'm like, I, I kind of like things explained clearly. So when they're like, oh, just figure it out. I'm like, don't, don't make me do this. But I found this year that when I'm starting an essay, I will be so overwhelmed. I'm like, I, I don't even know if this is gonna be good. And then as I go through the first draft, then I go back to like do my APA citations. Then I go back and do my proofreading. Then I go back and edit. Once I get through like four or five drafts, I can see everything coming together. And I'm like, wow, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing, but I kept going. And then when I get to like the end and I'm about to turn in the essay, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good now. Like it's actually making sense. It's flowing. I hit all my topic points in the in the rubric. And so I'm like, now I'm applying that to my work as an artist, my work as a speaker, my work as a coach. Is like you may jump in that water and be like, oh, I'm drowning. Like I'm 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 finished. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But if you just keep trying after you put in a little bit more work, things things will start to make sense, you know? And I, I really got that from my 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 school assignments because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I would start assignments. Even yesterday, I was starting assignment. I was like, oh, this this probably sounds terrible. And then I finished it and I was like, this is pretty good. And I, I usually end up getting an A on the assignments. So I think for all of us, it is that process of just continuing, even if you're, you're a bit unsure at first, you know, just... Just seeing things through makes all the difference. Just that in itself. As an artist and author, one of the things, one of the areas that I mentioned this in the introduction, one of the things that you care a lot about are mental health and social justice. And these two things are a problem or that's, it's a common issue that's had, or it's an issue that's been talked about in this country for the past few years uh, with the COVID pandemic and then the Black Lives Matter protests. And one of the, and something that you really want to do is open up perspectives and just seeing how people should view themselves in an authentic manner. And I, I, I want to know, like, if there was an event or moment in you personally that really allowed you to open up yourself, right? Because the stories about the stories that you have published, it's about opening up perspectives. 
but I'm curious to know who allowed you to open up your perspective. Because like I said in the introduction, it's important to know about the work that they do, but it's even more important to understand who's behind everything. So as someone who wants to open up perspectives, who allowed you to open up your perspective personally? Yeah, great question. I think, so I'll, I'll, I'll use my latest book, Battle Scars, as an example. So before I got into the mental health, before I decided I wanted to write about mental health, I was a freshman at college and I found out that my university had 10 included counseling sessions with your tuition. And so honestly, I wasn't even thinking about the mental health aspect of it. I was just like, I need to take advantage of everything because school's not free. So I was thinking, I was literally thinking on, on that since I was like, this is included in tuition. I need to be taking advantage of everything at my school. This is a private school. It's expensive. I need to like make sure I'm getting everything out of this that I can. So I started going on Fridays, Friday afternoons for my 10 free therapy sessions. And that was a space where I didn't know what to expect because I was just I was just doing it for the convenience of the school. But when I got there and I got paired with a counselor, I just found this unique space to have some really difficult but necessary looks in the mirror. And I had never done that before in a serious way. I mean, of course, I'm not saying I was like a terrible person just walking around reckless, but those real critical in-depth looks in the mirror, I probably never done that up until that point. I was like 17 at that time. So my therapist was the first person to really get me to open up about my own wellness journey and about all the stuff I've been through in my life with the heart problem, with family issues, with people in my life that I had complicated relationships with. So I think for me, it was there where I was like, I need to open myself up. But then honestly, part of the desire to help change perspectives was seeing other things around me. So still saying with the topic of mental health, there were people in my life, in my close circle, who got diagnosed with mental illnesses. And seeing some of those episodes, those manic episodes in real time was like, oh, this is not just like hashtag mental health matters on Twitter. Like, this is real. I'm, I'm trying to calm my friends down because they're going through like a manic episode. I'm looking in their eyelids and, and they're just like frantic and like not completely there with me. And that that just having those moments, I was like, oh, this is real. This is real. And as I reflected on that, I was like, imagine how much we could have done with prevention if there had been access to healthcare, if there had been access to healthy, wholesome conversations on mental health. And so I was thinking of my own experience with therapy, but then also people in my life and what they were going through, the suffering that they went through. And I was like, this needs to change. This needs to change. And although people are talking about it online and even in person as well, there are still pockets of the world where the stigmas are running rampant, you know, and I'm seeing it every day, even in the present. So, yeah, for me, it was just this desire to help change people's perspectives. And in doing that, I wanted to pick stories to touch on these difficult issues because obviously a topic like mental health can be so alienating because it's mental health could mean so many different things to different people. So I felt like the best way to disarm those conversations was to tell fictional stories, get people lost in a world, but then still put those important messages in the stories as well. So yeah, it's just been this period of personal reflection, but then also witnessing the world around me and how people have been affected by these issues around me. You know, and I think for me, it's important to have that desire to not only look at my life, but look at other people's lives because we're all in this together. We're all affected by these socioeconomic uh, nuances together, you know? So it's been important for me to just touch on these things. Yeah, when I was little, and I know it, it's not directly related to what you just said, but when I was little, or I mean, I'm sure when other people were little, my parents, if I ever did something bad, my parents would be like, think about what you've done, right? And it's somewhat similar to the, the this, I guess it's, it's similar to today in the sense that it's like, I wouldn't necessarily say nowadays, it's about think about what you've done, but it's almost like 
it's like you said, like reflecting and just looking at yourself in the mirror and asking those hard or difficult questions because sometimes we might think that things are good, but then it's like, well, what are some things that we're going through? And maybe it may not be drastic, but there are still things that you're like, well, I never actually got to see myself this way. And perspectives are so important because, and that's one of the things I love about this podcast. It's like being able to understand a person's perspectives without judgment. And so like, kind of like how you talked about, like, and, and I never had mental health issues, but I know like some of my friends or people like growing up in high school, there were a couple of people that had mental health issues. And for you, it's just like, or for me, it's just like, well, what does that mean? What, what are they going through? And it's important to raise awareness to these issues, but sometimes it's like, we don't necessarily know if what we're doing is good. And for example, so I remember when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, people were just posting it on Instagram stories and being like, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And it's important to know that you shouldn't just follow the hashtag, you should also follow what's actually, like what's the reason behind this movement, right? It's not something that is quote unquote cool or because everyone's doing it because there are people actually in the world being affected by something. So when we talk about mental health matters or the importance of mental health, it's important to talk about it, but it's also important to take action because no matter how much you talk about it, there are still people being affected. And if no action is being done, then what good are you doing at the end of the day? So it's also like with Rachel, uh, with, uh, with the movement. And I know we talked about uh, mental health, but like even with black lives matter, it's not a hashtag. It's that there are people of color that are suffering and whatever that may be that need help. So it's, it's, it's really important to understand that it's, you're not just doing it for the fun of it or like just because of the movement, but you're doing it to uh, provide change. And yeah, understanding perspectives and understanding what people are going through is so important. And even if you don't know all the answers, I think the best thing to do is just to continue to educate yourself and try to find ways to make sure that other people's stories or their journey is getting some is getting attention and the care that they deserve yeah 100 percent. and i and i think yeah you you said it perfectly just the i i saw so many people jumping on what they thought was a trend during the black lives matter movement and for me and people in my community we were like no 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 this is not like a trend like on social media, this is a lifetime of centuries of experiences that have bottled up, that have been bottled up, that have that have led to all of this social discussion now. And like, we're really affected by this in, in a real way. And if you look at any social issue, it's always people being affected by it at the end of the day. And it's not just words on a screen. In my first book, I actually said, um, I was giving a speech in 2018 to group of, uh, of college students. And I said to them, the word injustice was nothing more than a word in a dictionary. But to other people, it meant so much more than that. And so I think understanding is important because then with that understanding, you can you then have application for actual work that you can do to help a cause. So I think, yeah, it's about both of those things and trying to be genuine ultimately in how you advocate for things. That's above all authenticity which is something you've mentioned numerous times in this podcast, authenticity and being genuine with your intentions. I think that's really important. For sure. And one more example I once had before I talk about something else is that um, I remember when the George Floyd protests happened, I think there was, there was one Tuesday, I forget which day, where everyone posted a black square um, or not everyone, but a lot of people posted a black square. And it's like, what does that mean? I mean, I know I, I understand like what people are doing, but it's like, just posing a black square doesn't mean that you're a part of the fight. You're a part of the fight by continuing to advocate, continuing to protest, uh, continuing to advocate for people, continue to uh, try and convince people who have the ability to change laws, whatever that may be to go, hey, people are being affected. You need to uh, make change now because for a lot of people, they can't wait tomorrow or the next day or next year. They need these changes now so that they're able to feel safe and protected in their communities regardless of uh, who they are. So I just wanted to add on to that because that was something I wanted to add, but then 
kind of like after the things you said, I was like, wait, I want to make sure we talk about this too, because sometimes people don't know exactly how to be a part of change, but because of the social media age that we live in, it's like, oh, we do things by being a part of the social media trend, but you can't be a part of the trend, be a part of the movement. So I just wanted to add that, but you've talked about, so we have obviously talked about the mental health aspect and the social justice, social justice aspect. And these are difficult topics without a doubt to be able to discuss, to be, to talk about authenticity, vulnerability, honesty. And for me, I'll, I'll even admit this, like, and it doesn't have to be about these particular uh, issues. It can just be about anything. Like having difficult conversations with people is extremely stressful and it's difficult. Like even as difficult or even as simple as, hey, let's go to this restaurant. And I'm like, I guess we'll go to this restaurant because I don't want to make the other person sad. You know, I know that's a bad example, but I'm known for making bad examples. The reason why I say this is because you actually find enjoyment in talking about these difficult topics. And when I say enjoyment, I don't mean it's like, oh, let's talk about mental health issues. It's more like you really find interest in this. And sometimes because because they are labeled as difficult topics, it kind of prevents us from being able to be able to show our best work or talk about it in like our best way possible. So for you, how do you find difficult topics enjoyable? Because I'm sure there's someone listening who maybe wants to be in the same field or issues that you advocate for or other issues, but because of how difficult these topics can be, because there's always someone that might not like the fact that we're talking about this, it's like, why talk about the situation at all? Yeah. For me, it's like the, the things that are difficult to talk about are often what we need to be talking about the most. And so for me, I think my pathway to these conversations has been storytelling, you know, because I, I call it, I'm not the first one to say this, but I call it hiding the medicine in the juice so that you're, 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 you're getting a lesson, but you're just also falling in love or falling in tune with a story. And then you're also getting all of these knowledgeable tools out of it. So for me, that's, that's kind of been the importance, but I think once you see, how these issues are affecting people's social livelihoods. It just comes to a point when you're like, we just have to talk about this. Like I, the way, the way I was seeing people suffer with their mental health and just refuse to acknowledge it and get help. I was like, I don't care if people are going to think I'm crazy or weird for talking about mental health. I'm seeing people suffer in real life. And that, that affects me. You know, as someone who cares about other people, that affects me. So I'm going to talk about this because it's affecting real people. The same with the social justice issues. I've been affected by them. You know, there's been times when, I mean, you just met me, but like, I'm not somebody who is ever going to see wreak havoc in any environment. And there's been times when I'm judged. I'm, I'm a fairly big guy. And there's been times when I'm, I've been judged just walking around all tall, tall, angry black guy, and I'm just minding my business. So it's like, when you see how this stuff really affects people, you're like, yeah, we're going to have these difficult conversations because it's actually worth it. And there's actually benefits that are going to come out of these things. And so for me, I'm someone that's very motivated by end products and results. And so I always look at what will X, Y, and Z accomplish? If I talk about this, if I advocate for this, if I work on this social justice project for, for this cause, what is the end product of this? And for me, I'm like, the end products of bringing real social change and real perspectives um, and, and changing perspectives, the, the, the end cause of that is a betterment of society for all of us. You know, so for me, I think if you look at things that way, it's just it's just worth it. You know, I think I think there comes a time in everyone's life when you have to take a stand. You know, there's a cliche phrase, you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. But it's it's cliche, but it's, it's true. You do have to, at some point, stand for something, you know? So, yeah, for me, it's, it's difficult conversations. They just, and especially because we haven't talked about these things for so long, there's so much groundwork to be laid with these conversations. And there's so many different subcategories to go into, um, even 
you know, referring to your podcast, you have had other people who work in the mental health space who have touched on their own subcategories of mental health that are different from what I touch on. And there's so much to talk about within all of these spaces. So, yeah, I think it's really about being groundbreaking and really just trying to help. And if you think of those things and prioritize those things, it's, it's always worth it. I promise. As someone who focuses a lot on authenticity and perspectives, there's no doubt that similar to what I do, although I don't do it with books, but you care a lot about storytelling and sharing people's stories. And we talked about this quite frequently, and I'm sure, and I know I've talked about it a lot in the podcast, but everything that you do is a journey. And so there's no end goal per se. There's not like a destination that you reach. Like no matter how many good things happen to you, there's always room to grow. There's, all, there's You're still continuing on this journey until the day you die, even though that's not the, probably not the best way of saying it. But nevertheless, even though you're in the storytelling space, what are some of the things that you're working on currently that help will make you feel like you can become an even better storyteller? Honestly, just spending more time in the world. I'm such an introvert that and like a homebody that I can isolate myself for long periods of time, but to tell stories, you need to see people and you need to see the way people interact. Um, you know, I was reading a book the other day and it was describing a scene with this old man, an old grumpy man who was in a store and he was like giving the cashier like a really hard time over nothing. And I was like, to even imagine stuff like that, you have to be in the world to then let your imagination dance. So for me, just spending more time living, talking to people, seeing things, because all of that is going to fuel your inspiration. Um, I also think writing different types of characters. It's funny because my 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 books have been so closely related to my identity, but I really want to tell stories with people that don't always do good things, but. But like, if I can make those things be in service of the storyline at the same time, you know, like I just, I, I watched at the end of last year, the Black Panther 2 movie and the villain was doing some crazy stuff. Like he was murdering people, but then he was trying to protect his city at the same time. And so you had this emotional nuance and I love stuff like that. So I think in my stories, there's room for me to grow in that sense, adding people with emotional complexities where you're like oh he's kind of wild and but i see why he's doing what he's doing i'm not really sure i i want to just get into more of those things um i also want to dance around different genres i think there's nothing wrong with having your niche i think jordan peele for example has really found his as a director he's really found his his niche in like i guess horror kind of trippy sci-fi like that's his thing and people like it so that's great you know and and for me i wouldn't mind telling stories in the same genre you know for multiple books but i'm, I'm open to jumping into new genres you know my I, I like to talk about regular life regular everyday people but i wouldn't mind writing action i wouldn't write i wouldn't mind writing romance you know so i think i just want to push myself to open myself up to new possibilities one of the biggest things I'm working on right now as well is removing all limitations from my mind. I think, and you can probably relate to this as well, when you're in school coming up, every essay you write is technically confined to a rubric. You know, like there is some sense of, there is some umbrella that your work has to fall under. You can't just like, yeah, I want to write about like chicken sandwiches. That's what I'm going to do. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, you have to write about the mitochondria or, you know, whatever, right? So I'm so used to writing based on what the teacher wanted. And so now I'm trying to open myself up to everything. I just watched this. I know I'm super late. So if you're, <laughs> if you're listening to this, don't come for me, guys. I'm sorry. I just watched the Avatar, the last Airbender series for the first time. And I was like, you would never think of this if you were only thinking about like actual real life, like the creator had to expand his mind in such a imaginative way to even think about like, oh, bending elements and the foundation, all this crazy stuff. And so I'm like, I find that super inspiring because 
I think when you open your mind up to any possibility, you can get into some really beautiful stories, you know? And I know right now my mind is still limited to everyday life. And I, I think I want to continue to expand in that way. You know, I even with the new Across the Spider-Verse movie, another example of like really unique storytelling that inspires me to just want to tell stories in different ways. So I think for me, it's, it's all learning. It's all about pushing boundaries and finding new ways to tell stories. There's no right or wrong way to tell a story because art is subjective. So I want to also think about how I can tell stories in different ways. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about, about the future. You know, I think I have a really good starting place with my two books, you know, and I think going to book clubs, getting, getting nice comments and stuff like that is like a testament to people enjoying my work. But yeah, I, I want to continue to evolve. And I think over the next five years, I'm going to, and it'll be really exciting for people who follow along on my journey. So, yeah. I was going to add before we end. So when you were talking about the villain part and sometimes not treating them as a villain, but it's like almost kind of like an anti-hero. I was some, I was like, I was thinking like Thanos where he decimated half the population, but you can understand why he did the things that he did. And then I don't know if you remember the Christopher Nolan Batman series, but um, I think it's like Two-Face or Harvey Dent where he's not technically a villain. It's just that he did the things because he lost something. And so it's, it's important to note that like villains aren't just villains. Like they're not evil, some villains, not all, but they do have a, they do have like the hero side in them. So that was something I wanted to add because you were talking about superheroes, but I also find that's what makes authentic. Like when you were talking about the, this, this, this rubric space, or this rubric thing that we fall into that's what makes authenticity and storytelling so hard because you're just like it's not about what you think it's about what other people think so it's like it's like you might have your you're telling a story because this is what you've experienced or what other people have experienced but it's but if other people but maybe other people want to see it this way but because it wasn't coming directly from me it wasn't 100 percent you then they might not like it. And so sometimes we fall into this realm of like, well, we have to do things based on what we think other people want us to see. And then that's what takes the authenticity, the uniqueness out of out of you, for example, or me. So it's that's what makes art interesting, which is that you don't need you don't have any limitations. You can just be you. You can just do you. Um or do whatever you believe in. And I know that there are not gonna be a lot of people that will believe in what you do. But then again, I mean, that's why it's so important to be able to find a tight knit community that understand and emphasize the importance of authenticity. Because when you and I work together, um, just for an example, then we can tackle, then, then it really lets us, then lets people know that this is okay. That we don't have to do something based on what other people think. We can do things that we think is important and then that's how we can really continue to impact people and inspire people and share these stories because it's coming from us and it's authentic rather than painting a picture and saying this is what it sounds this is what it looks like and it's it's almost like i don't know how much of a meme fan you are how much you love memes but there's like that one meme where you have like a, a crying face but you're wearing a mask that shows like a happy face I don't know if you've seen that and it's like oh you're not being authentic like that's what we see where it's like like if we if we're not honest and authentic and we just do things based on what we like based on the rubric of other people then we show a side that we think is good but is not really good so why not actually show the crying face because that's who we really are and that's who that's what our work is really about not anything else or not anything that's like when we look at it, we go, that's not really who we are. And we don't end up feeling proud of the things that we do. Yeah, no, 100%. And and people, I think people actually, even if there are certain people who say they don't, I think a lot of people actually do want authenticity. If you look at music, for example, people listen to songs and, and they'll, they'll be like, whoa, is this about my life? Because they, they put their authenticity into the song and then you listen to it and you're like, and it almost sends chills through your spine because you're like, oh, he's writing about this heartbreak that I also went through or his mom got sick and I went through that as well. And you you can relate to that and you can cling on to that because they created their art with so much intent. And then you can find commonality in that. 
So I actually do think people want authenticity um, when they when they think about it deep down. Even if people say, oh, I don't know, I think people do want that. Because, because people go through real things. And so they... Yes. And so people are always looking for ways to connect to real things, with, with stories, with, with, with anything. So for me, I think that's that's what's important with my writing. I mean, with my last book, with, with both of my books, they came from really vulnerable places. And people who have connected to the work have seen themselves in those places or can identify those places. So, yeah, I think that's going to be something I continue to do going forward. It's just writing really authentic work. Um, and that also helps you stand out as well, which which is important as artists. So, yeah. For sure. Authenticity is definitely a journey, but nevertheless, when we find the right people to go along with this journey, we really can do special things. But Micah, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really enjoy the authentic conversations about uh, the creative art space, soccer. Um, best of luck with um, all the things that you do in the future. And I hope that we get to meet in person and you know, continue to share our love for soccer and anything else. But it was such a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I'm just thankful to have uh, finally got to make this conversation possible. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, too. You know, we might we might be in Liverpool one day catching the soccer. Like, you never know. But, yeah, thank you. Um, it's been a great conversation. Um, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch, you know, moving forward. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys like what you saw, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at the OMCG Podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast in the future, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.